1: Hey there, welcome to episode 33 of Push the Point, the official Mash Those Buttons podcast covering the Overwatch League and everything around it. It's your boys, Ramses and Labosco, out from a Hilton in Anaheim, California. Half awake, probably half sober, but happy to be here. It's been a very
2: good weekend. It's been a very good weekend, buddy. I am so glad that we get to do this in person for once. Probably the, the only time we'll get to do this until next year's BlizzCon. So, I'm 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 just happy that we got to have a. a, a it was a it was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Lots lots of announcements, lots of really
1: good friends, lots of alcohol. I think it's the other third part of BlizzCon that like everybody doesn't talk about but knows is going to happen. So, it's a very big weekend. I'm pretty sure that the blood alcohol level of Anaheim rises by at least a couple points or a couple percentage points <laughs> over this weekend.
2: I know mine has, and mine doesn't usually raise ever because I don't really drink very often. So yeah, mine is definitely still in that spot right now. So lots of stuff happening this weekend, even outside Overwatch. Obviously,
1: we had the Diablo 4 announcement, which looked really freaking cool. Um, The WoW Shadowlands expansion, which also looks really interesting. And then, of course, the Hearthstone Descent of Dragons stuff. And, of course, Overwatch 2. Obviously, Overwatch 2 is a separate thing we'll talk about in a second, but... Whole weekend, what was your favorite announcement or thing we
2: learned? As far as like what we learned, I guess it would probably be Diablo 4, is just somebody who got into Blizzard Games originally because of Diablo 4. So that's probably the one for me that was like my favorite. But the one that got me the most was the cinematic for Overwatch. Like it definitely Like, Overwatch is is for sure my game. So the Overwatch 2 announcement is, like, right there with it. Mm. Like, I was really excited. I'm really excited for PVE. I know a lot of the professional players don't really care about the PVE, which is understandable. It has no effect on what they do for their living. Same thing with the coaches. Mm. But for somebody who knows that the game, in order for there to be the success of this game, you need those people who are PVE players. To play your game and watch your game because some of them will maybe even turn into PvP players. I am so excited for what Overwatch 2 could potentially bring. So, so those are my two like as far as announcements, my two favorite.
1: I'm in the same boat because Overwatch is actually the only Blizzard game I've ever personally played. So, getting to actually see like seeing the trailer for Diablo 4 I was like, wow, this is dark as hell. And all right, I'm interested. Like, I've never been in dungeon a dungeon crawling guy but i might have to give it a try for this one and then for that overwatch 2 trailer i don't know how you like i don't know how you beat it i went and go in and be like oh man like it's not gonna be anything we want like what the heck and then going like okay fine all my needs have been satisfied before they even showed any actual gameplay
2: (laughs) at least from like a lore standpoint i feel like a lot of people were satisfied because it's like oh this is their pve is lore like Mm. pv like lore is something people have been asking for for i don't even know how long now as far as like deeper lore like more about the characters like this is one of those avenues that gives us that so in that respect yeah for sure it was it was really cool as far as like for me it's just more ways to experience the world of overwatch Mm. i'm excited for i do still have a lot of questions as far as overwatch 2 is concerned especially with the pvp aspect like Like that part of me, as far as like the competitive person and also just somebody who casts this game and has a podcast that I do with you, Mm -hmm. I want to know what they're going to do because, like, the biggest questions that weren't answered were about that. And we'll get into more of that in a little bit. But as far as other things, though, like the announcements are great. But as far as BlizzCon itself, for me, it's always the experience with other people, the. Mm the getting to know people better to hanging out and doing things there. That's like the best part for me personally. So like us getting to hang out during like world cup stuff, meeting a bunch of other people and everything else that we got to do. Like that was stuff that really was, is the, the best part for me other than the announcements. Like the announcements are right there too, but like the people are what make BlizzCon the best for mm. me. Like that, that that sense of community that Blizzard wants to to build it comes true it really does when you when you get to go to these things and you get to hang out with everybody like like we got to we, there there's a bunch of stories that we can tell as far as that like who we got to hang out mm-hmm. with and got to meet like you you got to meet your boy the one the only baby bay and get a picture with him <laughs> the king the king shout you know. out
1: to boop and his jacked up foot <laughs>
2: yeah yeah boop who you know we've had on the podcast here who's one of the the people that I would say is one of the, my best friends in this industry as far as people because he's just that good of a guy. And great to see
1: Lemon crushing it this weekend as well.
2: Yes, as somebody who's casted with Lemon, I'm really happy for her. It's a step forward for us who are like in that tier two scene trying to make our way forward. It's a really good thing. And getting to talk with people at the top, too, is nice. Like, you know, Uber or who everybody knows did grand finals this year and everything else. One of the best casters in overwatch, like a super down to earth guy and and getting to hang out and talk with him again this year. I think that was one of the highlights as far as like people who are like big in the industry. But I met so many other new people this year too, that it's like, it's hard to keep track of Mm. sometimes all the people that you meet because there's so many cool people that come.
1: Well, and of course, Shoutouts to shoutouts to the man, Blaze and Bob, as well. Since we got to hang out with him a little bit this weekend, although Bob was freaking running around everywhere so much, I think I saw him for a total of like twenty minutes the entire weekend.
2: I saw Bob for a little bit. Bob was running around a lot. I was running around a lot too, though. I was. I me and Bob run around. We do weekend. Well, Bob's always
1: on. Bob is always networking too in this <laughs> crazy degree. But we'll talk about that, the meetups and stuff in a second. Mel too, by the way, just, Mel as well. just wanted to mention Mel, um, overwatch two sitting there in, I know I was in hall. A, I think you were in mythic and gang just like getting up there with our, um, with not Jeff, Jeffrey Kaplan, apparently like I a hundred percent have to imagine somebody on the team is like, now nah, we're going to troll Jeff, like Jeffrey Kaplan and Jeff goes up there kind of poked some fun at slasher leaking everything on ESPN about how we already knew exactly what was going to happen. And like, we already knew everything to expect. So here's the video anyway, but it was good. The cinematic was awesome. I was very, very
2: worried. They were going to kill Winston at one point. Um, I don't know why you thought that was going to happen, but okay. It's Winston. Come on now. Winston. Come on.
1: Winston is just the right place though, where he has like, he's not, he is beloved, but not by enough of the player base in a way to like where if they had to kill him to sacrifice in the plot, I would understand.
2: But you there'd be riots if Winston died. Are you kidding me? If they killed Winston, people would literally riot mm. on the spot. So no doubt.
1: We got to see the cinematic was great. Every time with Blizzard, I keep going in being like, wow, like that cinematic was so good. Like, oh my gosh. And then I think, why am I ever surprised? And then they're still like so good, like every time. Like they're the track record for Blizzard cinematic stuff is great, and we got to see kind of what Overwatch looks like. Like all the people that Winston has called are finally kind of coming together. Um, so we got to see, of course, like Genji come in to make the save in a super sick new streetwear hoodie, and we got to see stuff. We got to like May was a way bigger part of the of the story that I think many of us were expecting.
2: Really. I always felt like May was a a bigger part of the story anyways. So I I guess to me, that one wasn't much of a surprise. I guess what would be more of a surprise than anything is like the the people who weren't in it, Mm. I guess would be more of it. Like, you knew there weren't going to be too many heroes in, but, but you know, you're never sure who's going to be in those and who's not like, like there was no soldier 76 in there. Mm -hmm. You know, we know from what we've seen of Hanzo, or and genji like they were together but then we don't see any hanzo
1: McCree's off doing his own thing still uh,
2: uh, is he though because echo is there like is mccree there somewhere like there's just so many questions as far as lore is concerned mm-hmm. and like what's happening
1: zen we got to see zen for half a second that was yes
2: fun. that that we did get to see a little bit of zenyatta um I'm 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 just excited just for the fact that we do get to see all of this. So,
1: so going into the actual moat. Well, um, before I forget, I shed the smallest, not the smallest. I shed a big old tear like when Ryan and Brig and Brig come out to make the save, and he does the Earth Shatter and all the robots. I I was fist pumping and like getting super hyped in my seat. That might have been my favorite moment of all the presentations. <laughs> it was just that one little bit, but. Uh, going into the actual modes, so they had two different modes available, like for play that day. They had the PVE mode and the PvP mode. Now I know neither of us got to play the PVE. I think we just because between all the stuff we were doing, mm-hmm. um, I got to play the new PvP, like the push mode, which I know it's similar to it's similar to another to other modes like in TF2, but I can't remember what mode specifically. But Basically, the push mode comes out where you like somebody comes out and then they claim like a robot who's like pushing a like a specific payload towards like the enemy spawn. And as the payload gets closer and closer to the enemy spawn, the team that's pushing their um, spawn point moves up like they can they spawn closer and closer to enemy spawn. And of course, you're trying to push it all the way in. And likewise, if your team manages to defeat the team that's pushing, the robot runs back to the other side, grabs the other payload, starts pushing it back towards the other enemy spawn. And it's an interesting mode. Uh, I think it really breaks stuff up into teamfights very cleanly. Like it, it didn't felt, feel a lot like stuff was it didn't feel very stally. Like it felt very much like it was just here's our team fight Cut. Here's a fight Cut. Mm hmm.
2: I think the important thing with push is that it gives another mode that can potentially be a little bit easier to watch in part because there's this one focal point. Mm -hmm. Like the best modes to watch are the ones where where everything's happening in one place, where things aren't really happening on the uh, on the outskirts, really. So with such a focus on one one spot. I think that's something that really helps. Yeah. So I'm really happy with this. I, I I've heard from some people who have played. Heard from some contenders players who've played. Um, they were fine with the mode. They wished that the, the one qualm that they had was that it kind of moved slow. Yeah. The that the the payload moves pretty slow. If it was a little bit faster, they would have been happy with that. Um, it's very clear who's winning and who's not because it tells you. How far you've pushed compared to the other team, as far as total distance. So there's not going to be really any draws unless you somehow manage to both stop at the same distance.
1: Well, and it it felt like the ultimate snowball map, like snowball thing as well. Because like once a team just won, like once you won that first team fight, you could just keep pushing forward with momentum. And the the way that like the push like maps are built, well, that Toronto, at least the push map we played was built, is that it felt almost like um It felt like it looked a little bit like Hanmore, but like you had like these corridors you were pushing through. Sometimes it would open up into a bigger space, but it felt a lot more like a payload map as as opposed to like an assault map or like a control map where there's one specific big point. So it's really like – I think there's a lot of snowball potential in there, but it also – I think one of the benefits is that it's gonna make teams actually, it's gonna make tanks learn like bronze tanks and gold tanks like myself learn to actually push forward with the payload because you have to, and not a way like you can just stand in the choke. It's like if you don't sit there, the payload's gonna move along without you. You don't have to sit here and babysit it the whole time.
2: Yeah, it, it, it the team fight becomes very important in in the mode mm. when you have something like that, and you have to be by the payload too. Like like you you have to if you wanted to keep it moving. So and and this is something too where where it does have a timer so it's not like you're you're just playing until somebody wins mm-hmm. so that's a good thing too so you you're not going to have a, a map that just goes on forever so i i think all of these aspects make for mode as long as you execute right on the maps it will end up being really good i think that's the most important part
1: yes and i didn't get ch- none of us got a chance excuse me to check out the to check out the pve mode but most of the things i heard were pretty good as far as the skill trees uh definitely i think with hero missions it gives it a whole other avenue of being able to like a whole other avenue of being able to develop your skill and really hone your very specific sense of playing a character i do wonder if um excuse me if they how th- how that would work as far as if that ends up being o- incorporated into Overwatch League. We actually got a couple announcements about Overwatch League, which I'm trying to find in recap for you guys. But it looks like it, for, like we know for sure that the, the push mode is going to be part of Season 3. Whether they introduce it at the break halfway or they introduce it at the very beginning, we don't know yet. Uh, We also know that, according to the Watchpoint panel, they're looking to expand to 28-plus teams. So that's another, what, eight-plus chances for there there to be a Chicago team?
2: The the word on the street is is there's not much they want to do in the U.S. anymore, but there may be one more USA team that comes in. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, well, there's only one area that really needs a team, and that's the Midwest. And what's the city in the Midwest that would be best? Chicago. So come on, let's make it happen. Come on.
1: Well, and like, that's the thing that's hilarious to me is that you would have to like, you're really not going to make like one, one Midwest team. I think that's all anybody's asking for.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I I don't think anybody's like saying we need a team in Chicago. We need a team in Detroit. We need a team in, in Minneapolis. Nobody's saying that. So yeah, I, I, I think that's like just give this area some sort of representation the nearest team to if you're anywhere in the midwest the nearest team is like 8 plus out minimum of 8 hours away mm-hmm. that's and and it's more than 8
1: well and i think then cuz like of course chicago comes to mind i think busan is immediately a team that would come to like a location for a team that would come to mind when you go into asia
2: um i think china
1: still china still berlin Maybe some stuff in Sweden or Denmark as well. Um, Australia. Australia. The only thing that kills me is I don't think they would do Australia simply because of how bad that flight would be.
2: Right. You want to keep things kind of close to each other at least a little bit. I mean, it, that's where it kind of gets tough because, like, when you're doing this, travel logistics is, like, a really big part of it. So we're going – we're pushing towards year number one of teams traveling. Mm there's going to be a lot that gets figured out with year one because this has never been done in any sort of sport at all. Like this type of traveling. Yeah. So,
1: Oh, and then other announcements from the Watchpoint panel, as I have them on the top of my head, I'm trying to remember. Uh, so 28 plus teams push is going to be an available team mode in the game. Well, it's going to be in there. Um, and then what was the other bit? I'm trying to freaking remember. Oh, um, so maps are now games are now going to be first to three. Regardless, so no more
2: map differential. It sounds like is not going to be an important thing anymore. Yeah, it it that's what everybody's saying is map differential won't matter, which to me is fine because who really wanted to watch a fourth map when the game was already over basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm more than okay with the first to three format. It also makes games shorter, so you're not waiting for a game to like. It'll shorten the amount of time games take.
1: Well, and that's something that they kind of that they suffered from this last season where you would be in L.A. and the games started four and you'd be there to like almost 12 sometimes just because if you have two or three map fives, like games go on forever. So I understand the move. I don't think it's a bad one. Uh, I do. From a scheduling sake, I wonder what they do with it, because Blizzard has kind of shown that they're willing to be like, all right, game one is done. Yeah, it's 30 minutes early. Who cares? We're going game two. Like, I wonder from a viewing standpoint, if they keep it more regulated for that reason.
2: I think it'll in part depend on on how they see that or the the estimated times go. Maybe I would think that they would, because if you depending on how they calculate when they want their next game to start, because I mean, if you think about the NFL, the NFL, you have your set schedule times Mm -hmm. and generally games don't run over each other. But sometimes they do do that. So depending on what market you're in will depend on whether or not you stay with the game you were just watching or not.
1: We also kind of heard the. Ru- well, a rumor I heard also was that. Part of this is Blizzard understanding that they, Blizzard knowing we don't like 2CP and knowing that realistically out of the four modes that are currently in the Overwatch League, it is easily the weakest mode as far as you get the most draws teams kind of can kind of pull stuff out of their butts to get wins. The rumors I've heard have said that we may not even have 2 CP in Overwatch League in like season 4 necessarily. They may be bringing another mode to replace
2: assault. Well, that push might be the te- like
1: push might be the first replacement and then
2: one well, then something will take the spot that a push had as yeah. possible. I Listen, I'm not going to complain if there's no assault. Um and it sounded like
1: most of those maps are going to be converted into strictly like the hero missions that we were hearing about. Like when you watched the trailer for gameplay, you saw like, although Busan isn't a, Busan Busan's a control map, but like it would be like you saw a lot of them on like a bunch of the assault maps. Right. The other thing I'd seen, um, I was trying to remember this, was that, so it sounds like it's going to be it sounded like it was going to be first to three. And in the case, we get a tie of two to two that they were just going to keep doing control until somebody lost. Correct. Am I wrong? No, that might've been just for world cup.
2: I think that was, I I think that may have only been for world cup, but at this point though, too, it, it didn't really like the, they'll have their set way for doing it for overwatch league. Like, they still haven't given us everything yet either mm-hmm. for this next season. Like there's still so much. Like we still don't even know if Houston's owned by anybody. We had that conversation with
1: people yesterday, <laughs>
2: but yeah, it's
1: Houston's throwing money around so it makes you think they're owned, but I there's a couple other things to remember. Uh, excuse me. Um it, just to be obvious with it uh it's so what we're getting is that Overwatch 2 is going to be the primary launcher for the game when it comes out. But those are people who already have Overwatch, like the initial Overwatch, with that game, you still get all the competitive aspects. You get all the PvP stuff. And it sounds like you're going to be able to get the graphics update with it as well. That Overwatch 2 is pretty much going to be PvE. Like It's going to be the paywall to just get the PvE modes and possibly some more skins.
2: Honestly, it has to be that just because the the engine wouldn't work running the game in two different ways. Mm-hmm. So the, it just has to happen. But you still will have Overwatch one and you'll have Overwatch two. You probably they probably are just going to integrate it. So if you're playing Overwatch one. You're actually playing Overwatch two, but you mm-hmm. just you're locked out of the P.V. And it's
1: they, it was like a shared player base as well. So, I- Yeah. Like yeah, everyone's gonna be playing on. Everyone's gonna be playing competitively on the same game, and then uh, something to think about this. From what we had heard, it sounded like. So Jeff has never not given an official statement, but I think I had heard something from Gamespot about them about looking at like a fall 2020 release date for the game, because when you look at it like, for them to get it out by like Overwatch season, Overwatch League season three, I think would just be impossible. Yeah. Yeah and there's no way they're going to have it come out midway through the season just to come up in well, I mean it's Blizzard they could do that but
2: like we, we we don't even know where they are in the development cycle for the game though too mm-hmm. like that's one thing to 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 remember here like the first we even heard of this was July mm-hmm. is that they were doing Overwatch 2 and we still didn't hear much then like one thing you have to give blizzard a lot of credit for other than this massive leak that we had right before BlizzCon is that generally this stuff doesn't get out mm-hmm. Like if there's whisperings, there's little bits and pieces of things that we get, but we never get the amount of detail that we've gotten for this BlizzCon.
1: Yeah. So the other thing to think about, too, is that because the general consensus, I guess, around the league is that, not the league, around Overwatch Twitter, is that we're probably going to be looking at like a year. And with that, it's natural to expect that because we have a year of development they're going to be taking resources that are currently working on Overwatch 1 or they already have been doing this and are going to be focusing more resources on Overwatch 2. We already heard that we're not going to get like a new Archives event. Yeah, this year and I it sounds like most of the development's going there. So, I have to imagine at the most we get maybe two heroes before this time before fall next year.
2: Well, and that's the thing too. We know when Overwatch 2 does release Going to release with multiple extra heroes. Yeah, it's gonna release with four heroes.
1: And we got we saw teasers for Sojourn, um, a little bit for Echo as well, but although Echo wasn't necessarily featured that prominently. My personal belief is that we're gonna get Sojourn and Echo because it sounds like from the GameSpot article that Sojourn was not one of the four heroes that it launches with. So my my take is that we're gonna get we're going to get Sojourn and Echo as the final two heroes for Overwatch.
2: And then we launch Overwatch 2 with, with four more heroes. Four more heroes. That would be that would be great. And so you and I actually learned a little bit about as far as the development of the heroes is that they don't really like delay the release of the heroes.
1: Now, nah, it sounds like they have maybe a couple of weeks after they finish. If that.
2: Yeah. So so when when we're getting heroes. It's because they're done mm-hmm. like we're not getting them because, you know, they've been just waiting for a specific time to release this to get more people back interested in the game. When they do this, it's because, OK, we have finished it. It's ready. We're in a time frame that we want to release it. Go.
1: Well, so now Blizzard's kind of put it in the situation where. All right, this really cool thing with all the balance change, not even balance changes, with all the changes that we've promised you guys is coming in a while. So we need you to hold out till then. And obviously the competitive player base and even like in a league sense with the league meta has been a little has been pretty vocal about the fact that they're not super happy with where
2: the game is right now. They're also discouraged, too, with the fact that there really wasn't much given and how they were going to like rebalance and change PvP in and of itself just as a whole, mm-hmm. collectively, like we haven't heard if there's a change in philosophy of how they want to balance the game. We we haven't heard really anything yet. Well,
1: and especially because that's like the big point that we I think you and I have agreed on that, like that's part of it. That Blizzard kind of needs to figure out what
2: the balance between MOBA and first person shooter is that they want to strike. Right. Where where do you need to sit? And most if you ask most pros, Most pros are going to want more towards the first person shooter Mm -hmm. side because the first person shooter side is the more it puts puts more on your mechanics.
1: Well, it's more dynamic as well. It feels like you're more in control.
2: Yes. Where the more you go into the MOBA in this specific type of game, that's how things like goats and everything becomes super important and teamwork becomes the uh, of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. Most people playing the game don't like that because you have to rely too much on other people
1: and it's i think it's a lot of why you see people calling for mmr resets i think i've talked about this a couple times uh people want to go back to old overwatch where you could just solo carry as genji because your skill was that good like you could just widow 6k people because you were just that good and because people hadn't developed like the synchronicity and the mastery of like certain like more cc abilities yet
2: yeah there was a lot more fluidity to the game there's a lot more that you could punish with just your flat out skill compared to i just know how to play this hero really well and their kid is kind of broken now you can't do anything to stop me even though you have a character that takes more skill than the one that i have
1: well like it's why i like look at poor akm here who like was known as one of the best soldiers in the world and then eventually people got to the point where his raw aim mechanics weren't good enough to outskill people's abilities like with CC so it's it's something to consider I agree with you on the teamwork aspect though and I think we actually got to see a lot of very very impressive teamwork over the weekend as well with everything going on with the overwatch World Cup uh, I know we popped in a little bit we saw you and I saw a good chunk on Friday of the um the semifinal rounds. Uh, For the quarterfinal rounds the, the group stage yeah the group stage and got to watch a lot of that i uh, got to watch team uk completely fall apart a little bit
2: and then yeah, a little bit's being generous
1: it was a bummer too because like we were like we were there with a bunch of like you know british people from from broadcast.gg and all of them were just sitting there like with their look it's just all so disappointed and frustrated
2: A lot lot of UK casters were friends with. Um, Trid was one of the people we were hanging out with. Um, Well, and
1: Trid's like directly, I think, wasn't he at all? I think he was involved with the team a little bit as well, wasn't he?
2: I don't think he was. I don't think he, I think he tried to run for general manager, but I don't believe he was ended up being the one who got picked for Mm -hmm. UK. But I knew he, I know he threw his hat into the ring to try and do that. Uh, but he wasn't the one who was picked, but still as somebody who's in the the casting world and just part of social media, he like he did at least have some sort of, you know, mm. place with the team in that sort of avenue. So off the
1: top of my head, just trying to remember who was in each who we had. So there was one group that had Team USA, South Korea, Denmark, Sweden.
2: No, it was USA. It was South Korea. We're going to check the. It was France. (laughs) It was UK and it was Sweden. Yes. So that was the five in in group A. And then group B was China, uh, Denmark, Netherlands, Russia. And there was one more that I think I'm forgetting that did not do very well along with Russia that was at the bottom.
3: I'm looking.
1: What's it because Netherlands. So the. Russia, Sweden, Denmark, UK. USA. Canada, right?
2: Canada, that's right. That's a, How, because they did so bad. That's why I couldn't think of it.
1: Well, so that was the big state, story of all the preliminaries is like, man. So we showed up uh, on Friday. We had heard that uh, hey, so XQC main tank for Team Canada is not going to be playing in the first game for Team Canada because of a prior engagement. Uh, no worries, we already knew this was going to happen. Like we'll take care. Like we've made plans accordingly. And I didn't get to watch much of that game, but it didn't go very well from Team Canada. What I heard from what I saw, it was interesting because.
2: None of the games are well for team canada though let's 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 not beat around the bush here with this well,
1: it's interesting because you would think in that position you run Mangachu on your main tank. We know Mangachu has an okay wrecking ball um it's not out of the especially because he's a guy who's known for picking up niche heroes. It's not out of the it's not out of the question for him to go pick up like Arisa for a little bit because mm-hmm. they had agilities on there and they were running sure for Mangachu. And it just seemed weird, like, their version of Doom Reaper was just not working. And I think also, unfortunately, we saw no like, Nope was having a hard time really blocking, like, your Death Blossoms and other big alts with the Kinetic Grasp. So, it kind of, it just, it never clicked for Team Canada. And it was a bummer because it's a team that's 100% Overwatch League and Contenders Talent.
2: Like that definitely should have gone farther, and they just could not put it together. I I don't know who you blame for that either. I mean, there's definitely a lot of talent there, but I mean, honestly, to me, you knew if, if like this engagement was obviously predetermined before World Cup, mm-hmm. so they had see that. By the way, if you don't know what that prior engagement was, he's playing Overwatch 2.
1: Yeah, him, Siegel, Fran, and somebody else. We're all streaming Overwatch 2 like in a special station on the floor.
2: Yeah. So that's that was his prior engagement. So literally the thing that was keeping him from being on the stage playing was the the actual game itself, basically. So it's kind of a goofy situation when you think of it in that way anyway. But more so than anything else, it's like, come on, like if you knew that he was going to be if this engagement was something for a while why did you not have another main tank mm-hmm. or why not just have somebody other than him on the roster completely? Yeah. Well, and it makes you think like, is this
1: Canada really not have another main tank to that level? Cause I, mean, we know like they definitely have it with off tanks and DPS, but like it was just weird. And then when you looked at team UK, team UK came out, beat France. And then after that, I think they lost every other game of the group stages, which is a bummer too. Cause you have all these guys, like we know Kibbs are like we know Cib's a pretty good DPS. We know Fusions was it Fusions and Smacks are both pretty good players. Yeah. And it just never really came together for Britain at all.
2: Well, it's weird because they looked so strong because they actually had to play in the in the preliminary round to even get in just because of their ranking. Yeah, they, they crush preliminaries. They absolutely destroy. So you are like, oh man, UK's looking really good. And then they get into group play and they just they just don't perform at all. It was such a weird thing to see. I also do think that group A, like if you were to assign one of the groups to be the group of death. It would probably have been group A. Yeah. So so they were in, you know, quote unquote, the group of death.
1: Anytime you put South Korea and USA in the same group, meaning every time.
2: (laughs) Then. Well, to be fair. The group, you know, USA was never a team to be feared until this year, so I don't know about that. Well, I mean, the fire firepower wise, not necessarily
1: results wise, but firepower wise, yeah. Um, so group stages were pretty good. Um, going into the actual semifinals, we saw a lot. Well, we saw a lot of really good play out of Denmark and of Denmark and the Netherlands bowl. Yes. uh, Really kind of clutching it out to get those, like those final spots in each of their brackets. Um, And then going into the semifinals the next day, uh, we got to see, I think, and it was, was it Denmark versus versus South Korea? Yes, it was because there were shacks. Yeah. So Denmark versus South Korea was a great game. I think that was one of the, I think it was the second game of the day. Um, Denmark is ridiculous like those guys refused to die to South Korea They like it was first to three which was a weird change we found out literally the day of on Friday but it was first to three wins so you would just like good change though understandable change it's just weird to not know about it at all but like Denmark just would like it was SK would win one Denmark would hold into to a draw just barely. SK would win one. They would hold into a draw just barely. It's where, like, I left to go do something, and I came back, and the game was still going because they had just drawn out so much. Like, Denmark came, came
2: up really, really, really well. They did. They showed out. Denmark, I think, is a team, too, filled with a lot of Tier 2 talent as well. Like, there's, I think, a couple... Overwatch League caliber players on the team or are not caliber, but play like on an Overwatch League team. To my knowledge, Shax
1: is there. And then let me see who else. Oh, it was. Yeah. Shax and Kellix.
2: Yeah. So those are the only two Overwatch League players. But everybody else on the team is, you know, HSL, British Hurricane, you know, like, like a bunch of other just good EU players. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was really cool. To see the fact that you you got some of these guys this opportunity to sort of shine on the big stage, and and really perform against Overwatch League talents.
1: Well, and we saw between them and Netherlands, both they had some pretty standout players. It seemed like typically in past years we've been like, oh look at this guy. Like there have been like at least five to six players from like that are unknown from a lot of countries that people have gotten really big about. This year it only seemed like we had three. Um, I think definitely Fisher not. Not South Korean Fisher. Um, Fisher, not Fisher (laughs) from Team Denmark was great. Another one of these guys reminds me of Sparkle a little bit, where like the rest of his play on other heroes is like pretty good, but like you had him on
2: Doomfist and he was ridiculous. That's the thing. Like, this was a conversation that came up with me and a bunch of the casters while we were watching the World Cup was that the, the World Cup is like a good place for you to find maybe not necessarily somebody that you're going to just pull straight to the Overwatch League but a talent that you can develop and turn into something that's special you know like like you look at like somebody even on Florida or Florida France same f I don't know why maybe it's just because <laughs> of how I associate them both but the when you look at France's roster if you look at Leaf you know Leaf is somebody that some people knew about but most people didn't that's somebody that you can pull and put onto your roster and not your overwatch league roster, but your, you know, trying to develop that player's talent. Yeah. Onto your, your academy team.
1: Well, if they can buy them out from Giganti's notoriously huge buyouts, <laughs> I think with Fisher, I think that definitely goes for the case of like, you remember a couple, like months ago when we talked about this guy, kind of, kind of getting screwed out of envy with all the drama that happened with team envy and his position there, him going to a bunch like him and a, him losing his contract because of it. I'm really happy. He got the show up as much as he did. I think he definitely is on the lips of a lot of people right now. The other guy, I think that had a really, really good showing was actually on team. Netherlands was Vizility as well. It seemed like we got to see a lot from like the projectile players, mostly like your fit, like a lot of the Doom players, but a lot of like your Farrah players as well. Leaf and Vizility both had such great Farrah moments. Whether or not that was because the other teams necessarily weren't countering them is kind of up for debate. Because I know part of it with like when France played Netherlands was that they just, refu- they just refused to play anything to counter Farrah's. And so Leaf could just sit there and just drop rockets on them forever and ever.
2: They just didn't know how to handle the Farrah too. Like they just didn't know, like a good example of this is. When USA played against a Farah, how they handled it. Like when they were playing against Jinmu's Farah, who, if you don't know how good of a Farah Jinmu is, just watch some of the World Cup games and you will know that this is a Farah to be feared. And the USA showed you sort of one way that's a very good way of handling Farah. Mm-hmm. So so that's one thing to just consider as far as that is concerned. But I think as far as you know, players like Fisher, you're right. Like it is good for Fisher that he he gets to show his ability finally.
1: Tall ass dude is the other thing too. Like I'm I'm six four and I'm walking around. This guy's like at least an inch or two taller than me.
2: Yeah, I think he's like six seven or
1: something. Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, dude, how do you fit in a gaming chair? Like freaking how like how hard do you have to lead
2: over or like how much do you have to crunch everything close to your body? Like, geez. It was funny. There's actually a really good picture of like it's like Carpe and somebody else, like in awe of Fisher. When they were all on the stage like yeah. for the opening ceremony of the final day Where they're looking at them like
1: dang that guy's freaking huge
2: yeah you know and, and it's not like you see many people that tall in South Korea so and and even in overwatch league you don't see many that are that tall very often going to actual placements uh we got to see so the quarter
1: the quarterfinal I think whatever the final that led to the finals was South Korea versus USA in what semifinal they, that would be the called. semifinal they, the sportscaster in you, thank you. Um, which might have been the best match of the entire weekend. Uh really, really close. It felt like South Korea, so you can put the the you could put the sandbag mod or label on South Korea as much as you want, but definitely felt like group stages they were relying mostly on non meta plays, just so that when it came to the um the se- the semifinals and quarterfinals on Saturday, they were able to really have those things like strong, and you didn't know what you were looking for.
2: It turned out that they were actually pretty damn good at running the meta composition, mm-hmm. just not as good as Team USA. And yeah. Team USA also threw a lot of curveballs at them that they could not handle.
1: Dude, that part. So they're going into why am I forgetting the name? They're going into Nepal on one of, on one of the maps. And Team USA literally comes out with Sinatra on Genji, uh, um, Corey on Symmetra, Super on Ryan, and then, yeah, Space still on Sigma. And it worked for, like, it worked for, like, what, 60% of that point? Like, it was so, they definitely worked really hard on it. And I think a lot of commendation has to be sent to both ball in on the general management section, but also an arrow. Uh, I don't know if we can necessarily say that Arrow is back to where we saw him with Team with Fusion University, but Arrow definitely worked really, really hard
2: for this weekend. You have to give credit to more than just him, though. I think the staff, as far as the coaching staff is concerned, I mean, you had Arrow, Junkbuck, and Harsha. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all three of those, Junkbuck obviously is a very sought after coach, As far as one of the top assistants from the San Francisco Shock, Harsha was on Vancouver as an assistant coach, now the head coach of your boys, the Houston Outlaws. And then, you know, Arrow was the one with the most approved of those three for sure. But I think you give that staff as a whole a lot of credit because they Mm -hmm. worked really hard for it.
1: I think part of it too, (laughs) you saw how salty, not salty, but Monty, of course, can't let you ever have like all the fun in anything where he literally was like, yes, like Team USA should beat these guys because this is like a B plus Korean team. And I don't know if I would go that far, because I think if you
2: put that roster into Overwatch League, it would definitely be one to be feared. But. All right, let's go over this really fast. OK, Carpe, maybe one of the best DPS players. Carpe's the still league. top five, I would say. Uh, Haxel, rookie of the year who all arguably could have been the MVP architect, one of the best DPS players from the San Francisco shock. I'm not disagreeing with you on any of those three. I know. Okay. So DPS wise, I don't know who you pick. That's better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can put a better deep, like you can argue a couple of players like profit and a couple others, yeah. but that's still a, that's,
1: Better than it's not profits meta either, so it's not like you're missing out
2: on anything, right? Exactly. So, so this is not bad. Actually, this is actually pretty good. Now, you you could say Sparkle would maybe be better because of the meta and some other players, but this He's is 18, still
1: they could have put him up anyway,
2: right? Exactly. But I was just giving other players an example of who would actually be better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, there's a couple of players you can argue, but this is still this is not B. This isn't even B plus. This is oh, still no. A. The, this is a class. The
1: DPS and the tank line, I was super confident in because you like Mono is easily top three main tanks.
2: Choyobin is so maybe the best off
1: tank in the world. I have that was solid for me. For me, it was that it was the support line because Bedosian, if this were last year, I 100% get it. But Bedosian definitely looked like he, like, there are parts of London in this last stage and a little bit of this last season where he looked like the weak point. And then IDK was good for Hangzhou Spark. And I think we 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 step back a little bit as far as Korean main supports go. I think now that ARK stock has kind of fallen a little bit and I think Animo Stark has also kind of fallen a little bit. It gets hard with who to put there. But I think it's more that I was surprised we didn't get Twilight and Slime. That's what I thought was like the easy put in. I don't know if they didn't want to do it or if. Team South Korea was just that adamant. Like they put together a good team. Like I would be scared to face that team no matter what. But it's it feels like we're kind of trying. It was something where we were trying really hard to compare them to old team South Koreas, like the Lunatic High South Korea with Fleta and Jay Hong, Or like the or like the um the the W Blue
2: South Korea with like Jay Hong and SBB and Flower. Well that that's the thing. Like like it, it's hard to compare to those. But if you're looking at this roster, if you're looking for okay, where was the biggest downfall? You're right, it's support. Because if you just look at last year, Jonak and Animo would have been a better support duo. You know, and that's just taking the New York Excelsior duo. Hell, Rouge Hong and Toby might actually be better just as a pair mm-hmm. than as these two as individuals more than likely. So I I just think the area where you, you could argue the most is support, but even their support line isn't the actual worst. There's no. still players, other players that could have uh, been the one. So
1: it was a great game, though. I. It was it was just a fantastic series. I think the tension in the arena was so thick just because. We all like want South Korea to win, but we, we all wanted US to win, excuse me. But we knew I was gonna say
2: what the hell I I am I was about to leave this damn podcast right now.
1: <laughs> we all wanted Team USA to win, but you can't help it. like you couldn't help but worry, especially like in you know, that little pit in your stomach, like, maybe it doesn't maybe it like maybe they they screw up again, maybe it falls apart. And they held through. It was really, really big. I do think that when we look at Team USA, part of it was but like I was having this con- this conversation with Ednar from How Heroes Never Die, and he was of course trying to put all the blame on the fact that Super wasn't the starting main that was Super was the starting main tank over Mooma, um, which for me those two guys kind of feel like a one for one swap where I feel like if you put either one of them in their specific environments they would grow into a similar way. But I think if you listen to the broadcast at all, if you watch the show at all, Corey was just on a monster freaking tear the entire weekend.
2: I feel like it was really difficult to really pick somebody for Team USA. I think Corey was the obvious choice. I I don't even think Sinatra is necessarily a terrible choice as far as like an MVP goes. No,
1: not at all. He was super clutch as well.
2: But if you're looking at players, every single player on the team was so important for their success. Super included. I think that, that Super was the better choice as far as the main tank. I think that if you have Uma in, I don't know if they win.
1: I understand. I personally think differently,
2: but I completely get the logic behind it. The the point of the, the fact of the matter is, is that Muma has had his opportunities too. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, he didn't live up to the expectations that were needed. Now, the person I think who needs to get a lot of credit and, and needs to be really talked about more than anybody else. Somebody you and I have both been very critical of on this podcast many times.
1: I love him to death, but still, I mean, Rockus Hell, am I right there? Yes, Ruckus held them together so many times. You would watch there with so a lot of those, like a lot of these, like I always get, I always call him transcendences. I know it's wrong, but a lot of these coalescences from Rockus, like, were holding the team together just barely to get through a point. Like, the, he did not get picked out near as much as he has been in the past. I think this really was the redemption cup for Marcus and he crushed it.
2: He really did. He was got to see him afterwards too and and this was a few hours later and he was still just you could tell he was so happy. So I'm really happy for him. I really do believe he he is somebody that needs to be given a lot of credit as well because he did play so well him and Moth both. As far as a support duo goes, that duo was so, so rock solid. They did not make very many mistakes. They were very on point with many of their ultimates. There was a couple of times where they were off with some alts, but that happens. They were still like that back line was so important to the success along with the tanks and everybody else. Like Space too. like Space, space doesn't get talked about enough either. Space went head to head with Choi Obin and competed with him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just the DPS that made that happen. It was space too. like space for sure is somebody else that that just showed up to this World Cup and, and really showed why he is the best Western off tank.
1: Mm-hmm. So he did great. Uh, so our final four was in order of in order of placement team USA with a gold medal, China with a silver medal. South Korea with the bronze and then France and fourth. France had a really strong World Cup. I really was rooting for him, but it's I like those guys a lot. I think Soon had a lot stronger of a performance than he's had in recent months. I know I've personally been a little bit critical of Soon, where I think he has these really big highs and then he's kind of middling, but he had a very strong performance. Uh China as well we haven't talked about them a lot at all but China also had a very good world cup. China's a team, I think somebody was going back. China's been China went from top 5 like the first like no like sorry, from 5th to 8th in the first year and they've been top 5 for the last 3 years. Yeah. And two two years in a row where they get second place. Mm-hmm. With almost the same team even as well. With like the only difference being with Leave being gone instead for Eileen, but China had a really good series. Uh, I think part of it came down to China trying to play off meta comps in situations where it just was not going to work.
2: I think that was definitely part of it. Their team was a bit different last year because they had shy and they had Crystal on the team last year. Late Young and Guishui were the tanks, and then Sky and Yevettel. So Yevettel, Yevettel, and Guishui, I think, are the only two really that were on the team. Huh. So it was a very different team. RIP Crystal yeah jeez no i could That's
1: have sworn eileen was on the team last year but i'm wrong um no it was they played really well it was just interesting they would run like winston to dive like bunkers like they were running dive on bunkers sometimes and it just in a situation where you have the Baptiste who just literally just dump piles and piles and piles of healing and the um invulnerability like the invincibility field as well Yeah, immortality the, field yeah, like, you could just dump piles and piles of healing onto your Bastion and your Sigma. Like, China put up a fight, but it just felt, like, once that first game was over, you knew Team USA
2: had it. Yeah. They they just, they, the only map that was close is the first one. Mm. In the second map, it just wasn't. They just, there was nothing China could do. Like, they just could not compete with Team USA. Team USA had an answer, for whatever China threw at them.
1: Well, they specifically said that as well in some of the post-game stuff where they were talking about how last year they were confident they were only going to really need to really try hard against South Korea, so they didn't prepare for anyone but South Korea. And this year, they, t- they they went out and like publicly stated, like, no, we went and took time and prepared for every single team we possibly could have faced and looked around at the actual pool because we didn't want to get caught out again. We like We have to win it this year.
2: They Yes, they did. I mean, they didn't have to win this year, but it would have been a major disappointment if they didn't win. Yes. Because going into this World Cup, I think the general consensus was this is the best roster that Team USA has ever put together. I don't think there's any like I don't see how you can even question that. Right.
1: Mm.
2: Like like. You know, people thought last year's roster was great, but I, I definitely think this roster was even better.
1: The only issue, and we've talked about this before, the only issue would have been possibly on the flex support line because there were plenty of people who really were fighting hard, hard for Dogman. But I think Rockus definitely had a purpose in there. I think Rockus probably fit better with the team dynamic they wanted. So
2: it, I agree with you. Best roster they could have put together. Dogman and Rockus would be the only one that you could maybe switch. Like, Moth is maybe the best main support in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. Like, just how well, like, the guy didn't miss a game for the San Francisco Shock, which had maybe the most talent of any roster last year. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how good Moth is. The super what other main tank could you really put in as far as, a you know, a USA main tank?
1: Well, there and there were arguments for Muma. There were arguments for fact fiction as well,
2: but they already had their opportunity and failed. Yeah. Both so, of the guys already had chances. So space was on the team last year, but space is still the best off tank. Mm-hmm. So space was the easy choice. There's nobody. There's nobody. you could. The only other person you could even consider is Hawk. Maybe
1: I really think, though, it comes down to Corey. I. I think Corey was just that much of a strict upgrade over Zachary and hydration. And I think for one, we had Sinatra actually playing characters in his meta. Like, so he played a little bit of Zarya last year, but that's kind of disproving myself there, but it seemed like hydration was sorry, mess of words. Sinatra was really in clutch mode, even though I know you don't think it exists. Like he was, there were several fights that he managed to steer just at the nick of time with a really big
2: earth sh- um, meteor strike. Well, it's not that clutch doesn't exist. It's just that the people who are clutch are people who are good mm-hmm. because they're good. That's why they're clutch.
1: He had a very big moments there. Corey, I think, also was the easy, if not the like the uncrowned MVP, I think easily number two because he came and had a lot of very clutch death blossoms Played like when he was playing Symmetra for the map or two, he was doing it. I've never seen people get killed that fast in a game before where like he would just chew through them in like half a second.
2: I have because mm. I've played Symmetra Ugh. and like when you get, when you get to that third tier for the Symmetra, the beam beam, you, you just melt everyone. You just do. But that still takes a lot of skill because Symmetra's. It doesn't have a lot of range, mm. so you have to be able to get into a position where you can do that and you're not going to die. So the amount of skill that it takes to be able to play Symmetra at that level is very, very amazing. And he was, to me, the MVP. KSF, I think, needs to get special mention, too, because KSF did do some playing in the groove stage and played damn well when KSF played. Mm. So I feel like we need to mention KSF as well. Even though he didn't play at all on the final day of the tournament, he was so important for Team USA success.
1: He definitely does, I think he deserves a lot of recognition as well. So, when we think about World Cup this year, uh, I think there's a couple things to think about. We talked about a lot of the good things. I think the World Cup sits in a really weird spot right now. Obviously, the World Cup doesn't make money for Blizzard. Also, Overwatch is in the spot where you don't necessarily need the World Cup to promote the game. So, you kind of get stuck where World Cup is something that we all really care about and we all really like. But Blizzard kind of has the issue of how much money and resources to actually put into it. Sometimes they hit that they hit the balance correctly. This was not one of those times at all.
2: Just ask some of the people who were part of the production, and they will. Tell you that, too. Or
1: ask him the, some of the players as well. Like, we heard reports. So that was kind of an unfair advantage Team USA had, truthfully, is that Team USA had a couple of weeks, like, in a row to prepare and to get ready for it. Like, they had time to actually, like, get set. We heard, like, from a lot of these teams that were flying in, they hadn't been able to play Overwatch in a couple of days. Like, they hadn't, like, and when they got there to practice, like, they had barely any time to actually put it together. So there was a lot. There's some... I hate to use the word scuffed because it sounds like super 12-year-old eSports boy, but, like, there was a lot of stuff there that was really rough. Um, you go into BlizzCon, and they had all of the casters in, like, in this corner, this, like, big, like, thing. It was almost like it was, like, a viewing area. And initially, it's like, oh, that's super cool. You can watch, like, Jaws and Leg Day and Avast and ZP and everybody else, including um, – they had Chinese and Korean ca- casters there as well. Like, oh, like in concept, that's super cool. But they're literally like on the convention floor. So like you had noise bleed, like you had people kind of having to sit there and cast. They were doing their own like production as well. At one point from what we were hearing where like they had
2: to pick all the different shots. Like not not like full, like they weren't observing. They were just they had to switch. They, they, basically, they were the switcher.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Which was, and I remember hearing from people afterwards, like, dude, what the heck? Like, this was way too much pressure on us. Like, and that's the thing is that, like, we've kind of gotten the impression more and more over the past couple of years that like World Cup is something that they want to have, but they don't put near as much resources as it realistically needs to where the, to what we're getting now, where it kind of feels thrown together at the last minute.
2: Well, things to consider here, there, there's. There was a lot of teams that wanted to come that couldn't because they couldn't afford to like some big names, some people that would have been really great to even just see in the preliminaries. Like there were people in the preliminaries that it felt like they were worth watching. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were Overwatch League players that
1: were that didn't get to go because of either visa issues or payment issues.
2: Not just that, like whole teams like Poland couldn't secure enough money. Poland. Well that's what I
1: mean just Overwatch League players on like those teams. Well like,
2: th- th- that would some of those teams didn't have Overwatch League players though either, but yeah, teams with Overwatch League players too. To to your point. But like the, even the teams that did get there there were some issues as well. And um I'm not going to read all of it, but mini me for those of you who may know of Clockwork Vendetta, main tank for Clockwork Vendetta uh was on Team Austria. Team Austria he he wrote kind of a whole thing about the World Cup perspective from a small country on the experience. So something that will be very worth checking out is to go look at that and read. If you really want to kind of delve a little bit deeper into like what some of the struggles were for some of the smaller countries and just countries that wouldn't get as much attention as, you know, the USA. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that you I really recommend you reading just because, it, you know, it's not to say that his experience and he even says he says, this is my experience. This isn't I'm just not speaking for my team or anything else. He's like, this is me, a player on a team from a very small country. This is how it was. This is the things that were disappointment. And there were things that were good, too. You know, it's not like he said everything was bad, but mm-hmm. it, it's more to bring to light to those of us who, you know, may not realize it wasn't easy for some of these teams. No. And, and there was a lot of teams that I wanted to see that ended up not being able to come.
1: Well, in this format of having a bunch of teams like get sponsorships, get money to come over, literally just to get knocked out in like one game in preliminaries is not sustainable and not fair at all. But at the same time, what is Blizzard like? Blizzard doesn't make money off of this. And like it, they obviously they can't afford like to pay for all these teams to come out. And that's why we had group stages in the past, but they're like World Cup was kind of a mess like i I love it, I love it every year, but it was kind of a mess this year, and it was it was very apparent if you were watching the streams just because of the production quality I mean, even at one point during one of the casts uh the fire alarm went off for a fire drill that nobody Was told about, so they had to file everybody out from the casting area. Meanwhile, the players are still playing, which is with
2: no and the observing didn't stop either because they were in a different area. So they didn't even—I don't know if they heard it or not—but there, there was a lot of issues in that with the production. I mean, they they literally had gaming headsets, yeah, that they were wearing for the broadcasters on the first day. That's just unacceptable. Not
1: broadcast headsets, headsets like gaming headsets that you plug into like your Xbox 360.
2: Yes. Like I said, gaming headsets, not broadcast headsets, gaming headsets. That's what they were using to broadcast with. Like, you know, something you go buy at Best Buy that that has a terrible mic. Well,
1: and there are multiple times even where, like, we'd be watching the game and then all of a sudden, like, we are in Hall A, like, in the main area. And, like, all of a sudden one of the screens, like, minimizes for a second. And then, like, when I minimize it, like, um, it, like, makes the window smaller. You can see the volume, like, shaders up on the side. And then there were times like where they'd be in the middle of talking and then like live on the floor, instead of showing one game at a time, they had all four games up on one screen, like in, in like in a, in four different corners. And then the different games split out with the main screen showing one game at a time. And it was a frustrating viewing experience because you'd be trying to follow a game. The casters are casting. It's not like they're changing anything. But like you're watching a game, you would see maybe like half of a map or like a team fight and then they kick it over to the next game somewhere else.
2: Well they they were at least good with that. So they were switching after not after a team fight, but after like you finished a defense. So like you attacked, your team attacked, they either did it or not. After that they would switch to another game, like right after that. Sometimes mm-hmm. they would keep it on that game if something was interesting, but for the most part they were kind of going from game to game. So it did make it a little bit difficult to follow.
1: I also heard from a lot of people that there were ads on the Twitch stream as well, like on the on the normal Twitch streams that like there were just ads in the middle of games.
2: Not just not just for like the preliminaries or or the group stage. I heard, too, that that happened during the the actual bracket play, too, mm-hmm. which is like what is happening? Like, why are you playing ads at that point? Like, like that's one way to frustrate your audience supremely. Yeah. It was, that was really,
1: really, like, that was what was rough. The The final days, I guess, like, near the end during the bracket, except for the ads, by and large were better, but that doesn't give Blizzard the excuse out of it. I don't know what you do with it because I, on one hand, it seemed kind of ambitious. We're, like, we're going to have all these caster duos that we have interest in, like, all these contenders, casters, like, with leg day. And Jaws, and then with Lemon Kiwi being able to come on and cast with Jake, and then Brett, like you had Brandon Sideshow casting as well. Like you had all these different caster duos. Like, on one hand, it's really interesting and really ambitious. But then like they were getting they're being given gaming headsets and they're literally standing there for like 10 hours straight.
2: It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And it's it's a it's not like the most ideal casting conditions either. So it here's the thing. Something like that, you, you're, you're starting to put off your top talent by doing things like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And now, but your top talent also wants to make sure that if that production happens, that things stay good. Like, just because they're not doing it doesn't mean that they want the product to be lessened. They don't want the product to be that way. So, like, it's it's going to be something that we'll have to watch closely as the next few years of world cup happen. If it happens, if
1: it happens, like, I think, I don't know what we as a player base and a fan base do for this. As far as petitioning blizzard to at least, even if it's like just a better format, it does not have to be, I don't know necessarily what money wise is available, but like just a better format because we know blizzard has money for it. It's a, billion dollar company so i mean there's money around for it It just it sucks to see it fall it it sucks to see the quality kind of decline like this
2: i think one of the people who had like the best take on what could potentially be something that blizzard does came from from trid so what trid had said was and and just give me a second to find it because it was a tweet so for trid his idea was okay. With a lot of the Overwatch League teams being dedicated venues around the world in the coming years, there may be a path that sees the World Cup regional qualifiers come back. I saw that. The aforementioned venues, one of the logistical burdens is alleviated. So having those group stages that we had in prior years, it's very difficult because you would have to get a venue. You'd need to take care of everything else, this and that. Well, if your team already has a venue then now you have a place where you can play those games mm-hmm. in different parts of the world so you can try and do those group stages again is the argument that's being made here by Tread? It's not really an argument. It's just a something it's, he's, it's an idea he's putting forward or something to think about. Um, the other thing he said about it is there, uh, there could be a world where Blizzard brings uh, the open component on a regional level where teams could attend their closest regional qualifier, secure qualification, and for the main event without such a steep financial burden, I'm not privy to the conversation is something that he makes clear too, um, or the decision-making just the thought that occurred. And well, I think it's a good one.
1: And Trid's a brain that's been in the scene for a while. That definitely like that cares a lot about the game. I really hope that they can. I know he's very adamant about trying to be part of world cup again next year. So I hope he gets incorporated with it. I will say we have F's in the chat this week, actually. Oh yeah. Uh we actually we got a rare visit during the Overwatch World Cup as well from from a rodent specifically. Uh we had uh Reinforced got attacked by Charles Entertainment Cheese during one of the segments on the desk. We're literally they're out there talking and <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, like a guy in a Chuck E. Cheese suit, pretty sure it's a vast, comes out. I just starts beating him up like alive on camera <laughs> and just starts pushing him out of the way. Like not, not prompted, like they didn't know at all what was happening. Just starts beating up reinforce, like six foot eleven reinforce and just like beating him up and pushing him out of the way. And then making and he just walks back and sits down and all the guys are just like, what happened? Like It was it was pretty funny that like we'll attach the clip for it. And I, I was bummed that I was out of the arena when it happened, but like it was super funny. And if you know Avast and all of his Chuck E. Cheese related stuff from his streams, it was something that we all felt like might happen, but like definitely wasn't going to happen. So, and then it did happen. Is it happened? Yeah, it was definitely a BlizzCon. I remember Def Well, my only one I remember it's my first, but definitely a really really fun weekend before we head out drop our socials reviews and all that favorite memories or favorite thing you did this weekend
2: uh getting to hang out with you and everybody else is my favorite memories um just just being there for everything and seeing usa win it was a very very special moment so it it, it was a it, it's always hard to pick like one specific moment i also do want to give very special um mention to the hearthstone world champion as mm, well true and i don't know how to say the actual name i think it's just vk lion i think it is vk lion so vk lion for those of you who may not know or pay attention to hearthstone she is the first she is the first girl to win a world champion of a major esport title mm. and she didn't just win she crushed. Everything I had heard said that
1: she obliterated and was not even like with a particularly strong deck
2: either. Not not a particularly strong deck. Not a not a so in Hearthstone, there are different like types of decks too. She was like Hunter, which at this point in the game is not strong. Like it is not like the meta go-to deck to pick. So she didn't just win she destroyed was something that everybody said was bad. And that to me was like an extremely like special and awesome thing to, to see happen. And, and just, just some of the things she said too, I think are like really, really inspired. Like I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it right now. Like Mm -hmm. that's how like cool the thing it is that she was, that she's done for, for girls to say, Hey, we can kick the guy's ass. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it.
1: Well, that was literally her. Like her thesis was just like, I came because I wanted I compete because I want women to be able to compete and want them to know that they can. Uh, there's no there's no like we are not at any sort of lesser level. So being in the same building as that was really, really freaking cool.
2: She one of the really good quotes when she was on ESPN esports was I just wanted to encourage women to compete. And if I did that, it was a success. That's, that's awesome. Like, like there's a couple of really good quotes from her. That was one of them that like really pulls at the heartstrings when you hear something like that. Cause it's like, man, the fact that there's even that feeling that like women shouldn't compete is just such BS. So the fact that she's able to come out and really just show why anybody can do this, anybody gaming is for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, I don't know what it, it, it's like. The op. This is like the opposite of us in the chat. What this would be, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, but th- that that's just what she was to me for this entire thing. Is like USA winning is special just because of o- what Overwatch means to me. This was special just in a in a completely different way. As far as like something happening as part of a community that I'm sure I'm not the biggest in Hearthstone, but is still something that, as far as in the larger gaming community. Is something that's super important.
1: Mm-hmm. It was really, really awesome to be there and just see the impact of it. I think my favorite for this weekend was, yeah, just being able to hang out with you. I know we did this, like, we haven't got to do that in like, what I think since, since February. February. Yep. So, and then I know the plans to try and make it to Chicago during this next year, but still we don't get to do this very often, if at all. So right. really happy about it. Very good time hanging with you and all the broadcast GG crew as well. Mushu, yes. Mushu is the man, praise be. Yes. But it was it was a great weekend and I'm very happy that we got to hang out as much as we did for this first Blizzcon and hopefully it hopefully we get to do it again next year.
2: I think we will. I I don't see why we wouldn't unless like they cancel Blizzcon, but if they do knock on wood they're not going to do that hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> Double knock on wood.
1: We um obviously there's a bunch of other stuff to talk about uh between of course we we are going to be getting into JL Allen Brack in Blizzard's sort of apology about the Hearthstone thing, um, about their relationship with China and banning Blitzchung for a little bit. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Um, we'll also be talking about the giant amount of moves that went on in the last like week or so, because there's no way we aren't going to talk about space going to Gladiators. Now that it's official, right? Or OGE going to Gladiators as well. Now so, that it's official. <laughs> Just now, all these now that it's official asterisks. So you'll be hearing about those in a, either in a couple of days or a week. We have to figure that out. I know Lobo has to go fly back to Chicago. I got to go drive an hour and a half back to my house. So
2: we'll figure it out. But the fact that we got to do this for you, you know, it's obviously not the best audio quality compared to what we're normally giving to you. But this is something that we got to actually do in person and hang out and, and really just do something like this that we don't get to do. So I'm happy that we're able to do this. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, it'll be like a half hour. And obviously it's going to be longer than a half hour. A little bit. (laughs) So so we're glad that you stuck through for this one. And, you know, for those who we did get to meet at BlizzCon, you know, thank you for like just saying hi for the couple people that we did meet and just those of you who are friends of ours, too. Thank you for making this an awesome BlizzCon.
1: For sure. Always super excited to meet new friends and to meet new people. And you will hopefully be hearing a couple of them in the next couple of weeks. We're excited about it.
2: Yeah. It's a couple of them. It's going to be very good. Uh, It's just a matter of figuring out logistics of getting them on.
1: Before we head out, as always, just want to thank you for hanging out with us, for listening to the show. Uh, The best way you can help us out, of course, is by leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. I'm going to lead with Spotify this time because apparently that is the one more people use than iTunes from my immediate circle of friends. So, on Spotify, iTunes, whatever you guys use, we're like we always appreciate a review and it helps us just know what we can do to make the show better for you and what you like about it. And we just always appreciate the time you spend just getting to talk to us.
2: Yeah. The other thing too is if you want to just try and uh support the community that we are part of, if you want to support mash those buttons, you can join the Discord, which is something you can do by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons. And you will be able to see about not just our show, but other shows. It keeps you up to date on all of them from the network. you are going to hear about a couple of them after this is done, too. So be sure to do that. There's also the network Patreon, which I highly recommend. Ramsey's and I have some really cool things that are coming
1: forward. We actually I'm going to be writing some stuff for
2: like as soon as I get home. Yes. And and then we're going to do some like like VOD review stuff of like your games. I'm we're going to like trash on and we're not going to really trash on you. We're going to help you be better. Sort of, hopefully.
1: Globo going to really help you be better, and I will just give my gold player analysis out of it.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, I, you know, it's it's something. It's something. It's incentive to do the Patreon, which again, patreon.com slash mash those buttons is where you can do that. You know, little as $1 a month is all that it takes. You get access to Patreon exclusive content. There's going to be some different tiers coming up for some of this stuff too. So be sure to look out for that. It, it, you know, things are kind of in flux right now with mash those buttons. So in a good way, too. Not like, like in a bad way. or Stuff
1: anything. is developing. Stuff yes. is growing in a good way.
2: Yeah. Some of that stuff you'll see soon, very soon. If you heard Ramsey's and I conversation that we had uh, with Ja about what's happening with with our podcast in particular, then you know that we actually have a website coming soon, too. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that as we continue to move on. There'll be more news for that. And one of the good places that you can go to find all that news and information is our Twitter, which for the show is at Pushpoint Pod. That's where you're going to hear a lot of the news that we have coming out. You can also email us, pushthepoint at gmail.com. Maybe you don't want to just tweet at us. You can can send information there, uh, whatever you want to do. We encourage you to do it. Send us questions, concerns, constructive criticism, comments, whatever it may be. Um, We don't need ideas for... We still need ideas for a Chicago Overwatch team, I guess, you know, especially now that we know more teams are coming. Like, listen, I'm really happy Chicago has a Call of Duty team. Chicago Huntsman. It's kind of lame. It's kind of lame. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm happy. It's not the Royal Ravens. It could be worse. It could be worse, but it also could be better. Like, oh, my God, Florida's Call of Duty team. Their logo, just everything. The mutineers. Oh, it's like the, the name kind of isn't that great, but gosh, everything else is like the logo is so cool. So like they, they got a leg up on us. Shout outs to Anthony for that new friend of the show, by the way. Yes, sir. So
1: so you can find us there. Where can they find you specifically at Lobo?
2: If you really want to find me, it's at Lobosco, L-O-B-O-S-C-O, capital B. If you are, uh, you know, want to be correct, it's you don't need it. Twitter's cool like that. You don't need it, but it's appreciated if you put it in. So,
1: and you can find me of course at Ramsey's underscore O W lots of stuff going on with just all with all the overwatches. Uh, excuse me. Just with the off season. Now we get to speculate about a game for a year. I get to trash talk. Labosco about Mitch Trubisky. It's been, Ugh, don't remind me. It's been a rough day for you as a Bears fan. It's
2: very rough day today. Let's just say that.
1: But thanks to everybody who's here hanging out with us and listening. And thank you, to everybody, we got to hang out with this weekend. Love you all. I'm happy I got to hang out with you this weekend, dude. Happy to hang out with you, buddy. We will do it again soon. I got to make sure of that. For Labosco, this is Ramsey's for Push the Point signing off. And as always, we just want to say, take your time, be kind to the people in your area, your community, and just make it a better place. That's all we ask for you. Happy BlizzCon, guys, and we'll see you soon. Later.
0: Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to subscribe to one of our shows, you can find us on multiple podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast platform, head over to mashthosebuttons.com, grab the RSS feed, and use it in your podcast platform of choice. We have shows for many different games, so if you want to check out some other podcasts you may enjoy, you should go to mashthosebuttons.com shows or stick around to hear about other shows that are available this week. Mash Those Buttons is an independent outlet that is supported by patrons. If you enjoy our content and want to help us grow, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com mashthosebuttons. Besides helping us expand our content, patrons gain early access to special content and also have access to exclusive supporter-only content. If you'd like to stay connected with Mash Those Buttons, you can follow us at twitter.com slash TheMashNetwork facebook.com slash mash those buttons or we'd love to have you join our discord community at discord.me slash mash those buttons once again thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time